This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm filling in for Dave Brown. It's Alex Smythe here. It's Friday, so that means we assemble our weekly news panel. So let's welcome to the show our panelists, Juita Gupta and Michelle McQuig. Good morning, Juita. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Michelle. Hello, Alex. Hello, Juita. So we'll start off with the U- uh, with Donald Trump. The U.S. midterm elections have just concluded, and while some races are still being decided, including a Senate race in Georgia, former President Donald Trump has officially announced his plans to run again for president in 2024. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Now, so, Joita, you pitched this topic. Why did you want to explore Donald Trump's uh, latest presidential bid? Mostly because I came across a very pithy headline in The Economist, which says Donald Trump wants to make America great again, again. I just (laughs) wanted an opportunity to say that on air. Uh, But beyond that, I think it is uh, worth contemplating his rather turbulent four years in office and um, the fact that he's not exactly been out of the spotlight in the years after his his term in office. Donald Trump was, you'll forgive the understatement, a deeply polarizing figure. And I think he really changed how politics was conducted. is and was conducted in the United States. So why is he back? What does it mean that he is once again um, putting forward a bid to reclaim the presidency of the United States of America? Is he likely to be successful? What does the recent what do the recent midterm elections indicate about Donald Trump's probable success rate? And of course, you know, it has been an extremely eventful 24 months or so. We've had the pandemic, we've had uh, economic issues, we've had the war in Ukraine. So even stepping outside of the, uh, the Trump candidacy and campaign, I would be interested to know what issues, and I know it's hard to say two years ahead of time, but I would be interested to know what issues will take center stage in this next presidential election. Yeah, well, you know, this is one of those things that, as we mentioned, it's like the they're still kind of tabulating some of the results. There's going to be a Georgian uh, yeah. uh, Senate runoff, so it's so early to to announce the uh, the candidacy. But Michelle, I want to go to you. What did you make of his announcement? Uh, I mean, uh, to be completely honest with you, I'm a lot more interested in the response to the announcement or what it's been so far than the announcement itself, because this was basically the least surprising headline in quite some time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was widely anticipated to announce a bid. The big question was going to be around timing. And that, I think, is one of the really interesting aspects of this, because he did decide to make it against advice from others before all the midterm results have been settled, Alex, like you said. He's opted to go ahead and do it anyway. Even though it was actually kind of an embarrassing turn of events for him. The midterms had a lot of people who were heavily Trump endorsed, even sometimes picked personally by him. Those candidates, as a rule, 
fared very poorly, even in some high-profile races. You might remember the prospective governor, Dr. Oz. Uh, that did not happen in Pennsylvania. That was one of the races where Dr. Oz had been a candidate who was picked by Donald Trump and heavily promoted by him. Uh, he, he went and stumped for him. That didn't happen either. Same for governor of Arizona, Carrie Lake, uh, recently was defeated after a really close race, but she did go down. And that was the trend all across the board. So I think people are reacting with a bit of surprise and skepticism about how he's going to pull this one off again, uh, given all the, the, the tumult that surrounded his last presidency, uh, the reception that his handpicked slate of candidates are receiving now, and the perception that perhaps he may be a bit of a drag on the brand. That said, this is both Donald Trump and the United States, and I have learned the hard way not to ever count anything as impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very good point because we saw in 2016 that you know people didn't really take him seriously back then when he was uh, running up against a, a Democratic uh, presidency, and he ended up winning. We we all know the results of of that and what followed, but I, I agree with you in the fact that you know he. He, nom- he put forth and, and uh, supported candidates, and none of them did that well. And you're starting to see this shift from the conservative party of, of uh, the Republicans trying to somewhat distance themselves, but they're not all fully coming out yet and being like, no, we, we don't want him running. They're like, well, maybe if you delay it a bit, oh, oh do it after the, the Senate runoff. That just kind of seems to be showing that, okay— we we understand you still have a grip on a lot of the base of the party, but we also don't fully trust your support is really going to lead to us getting the win in, in Georgia. Uh, Joita, what do you make of it? Um, one of the things that's interesting about this is that it was a very low energy announcement. Uh, I was watching it and I was thinking that, you know, Donald Trump sounds like he's sick with the flu or something. Like he really didn't seem to be uh, to be able to hold the room or capture the audience. Uh, it was interesting that he doesn't seem to have a lot of support, as you pointed out, Alex, within the party with several prominent Republicans being absent. Um, you'll excuse me for being a bit gossipy, but Ivanka Trump was missing. So I'm not sure how, uh, you know, and she was in at least in the first ra- go round, a huge supporter of Donald Trump. You don't really see Ivanka. And now she, I think, subsequently put out a statement saying she's not going to help her dad campaign. Uh, so when you actually look at the announcement itself, it goes very predictably. They're talking about the border. They're talking about radical Democrats and the uh, fact that they've reversed many quote-unquote successes brought about by the Trump administration. Uh, a lot of self-congratulations and complimentary <laughs> anecdotes. And the other thing that was really interesting, and I kind of note this as um, as a journalist, is just how different and muted the media reaction has been uh, with mm-hmm. very lukewarm interest from the media. Uh, you... Uh, even, you know, and it's not just the, the traditional sources that were critical of Donald Trump, but also the Fox News actually just turned down the announcement and, and brought the, and the, the, analysis, uh, the, the analysts to comment on the speech. It was quite surprising because Fox News would often go out to, uh, you know, go out to bat for Donald Trump. Um, I don't think it's the kind of announcement that's going to be particularly intimidating to uh, his competitors. Uh, so as you pointed out, I, Alex, it is all happening in the context of a Republican Party that wants to distance it, uh, itself from Donald Trump for all the reasons that Michelle has done such an excellent job of highlighting. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and, and regurgitate that. Um, even if his 
even if his policy platform is palatable, I think the general sentiment within the Republican Party is uh, that we just don't want the drama that goes along with it. And uh, according to some recent polling, just about 48 percent of uh, Republican primary voters uh, say that uh, they will support Donald Trump. And that is actually uh, worth considering because it's not insignificant two years from uh, the beginning of the campaign. So I'd be curious about whether the Republican Party establishment is able to dissuade uh, voters away from, primary voters away from Donald Trump. It's very hard to rule him out. As you pointed out, Alex, he was a bit of an underdog in 2016, and he may end up, he may end up uh, winning the nomination in, in, uh, in 2024. We shall see. Can yeah. I throw another wild card into the mix here? Go right ahead. Among among the many factors that Joita listed as, as things that could change, in, you know, two years is a long time. A lot has happened in two years. A lot will happen in the next two years that could drive his support either up or down. But one factor that I don't think can be totally dismissed because of its potential impact on swing voters is the January 6th investigation, mm-hmm. which is now focusing very specifically on the man himself. Um, I don't think any of those findings would do much to persuade the hardcore Trump allies and backers, but that's not who we're really talking about anymore. Uh, the Republican Party's concerns all sit center on the damage that he could or, or has done to the brand, at least in some circles. Uh, the midterms are fuel for that fire, and whatever the January 6th investigation centers on and finds out whether or not he eventually agrees to testify, as he's been asked to do now, um, that could be really interesting. It could certainly shape narratives, both from Republican rivals and from the Democrats for the next couple of years. Absolutely. And and one thing, too, uh, as we are still gaining the uh, the results of the midterm election, it's it's widely predicted that the Republicans are taking control of the House, and we've already heard some preemptive uh, promises from the Republican leadership that they are going to start doing investigations into different Democratic leaders. They're 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 threatening to uh, kind of do their own January sixth committee. So these next two years could really uh, slow down and really muddy some of those those waters around certain investigations or, or certain mm-hmm. um, uh, panels that are in place right now. Uh, one thing that I kind of wanted, I, I was kind of thinking of out loud and, and kind of figuring out that this kind of reminds me a bit like 2016, but on the Democratic side, when mm-hmm. you had very popular Bernie Sanders, who was kind of on the the edge of the Democratic Party, and he had a very staunch support from his vocal uh, a vocal group and supporters, but mm-hmm. the party in the primary decided to go a different route. They went with mm-hmm. more establishment, a bit more what they thought would be widely palatable with Hillary Clinton as their nominee, and it led to Donald Trump being elected as as president. I I almost wonder if we could see the kind of a similar uh, path if this stays the course that Donald Trump he still has that hold over his his base, but someone who may be seen as a bit more um, palatable from the Republican Party like Ron DeSantis, who yeah. is seen as kind of the, mm-hmm. the power yeah. player and, and the favorite right now. Uh, obviously, two years out could be a very different story, but I wonder if that may be something that, that happens when we do get to the election. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's a good point. Ron DeSantis is certainly getting a lot of backing from the establishment. But you bring up the Democrats, and I think um, part of this conversation also involves what's happening on the Democratic side of the equation. Mm-hmm. If you think about um, who his contender might be, uh, Joe Biden is now 79. He'll probably be 80 by the time he's running for, uh, by the time he starts campaigning. I'm not sure if he'll run again. Um, I mean, I, I suspect he'd say that he would run again. Uh, just because it's the kind of thing you you sort of have to, but I can't say for sure that he'll actually end up being um, the, the the Democratic nominee. So oftentimes, um, you know, I think we should also perhaps pay some attention to what's happening with the Democratic Party in this whole election because that will uh, have a huge impact on the success rate for Donald Trump or any other Republican candidate. So, of course, I don't, as I said, we don't really know very much about what's happening on that side of uh, of the aisle, but something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm curious what you two think might be some of the main issues with the the next election. It, we saw with the prime, uh, with the, the midterms, abortion rights seem to be really front and center, even though Polling didn't fully suggest uh, coming into the midterms that that was going to be a primary factor. But in the exit polling, it also that was one of the biggest issues. So what do you think the the issues at play for the next election will be? Can I borrow from James Carville for a sec? Absolutely. (laughs) It's the economy, stupid. I think that's going to be the thing for the next couple of years, especially given all the inflation rhetoric that's already happening. Um, Until we see a dramatic and sustained turnaround on that front, I really can't imagine that not being a huge, huge issue. Um, Abortion rights, I suspect, will also continue to be dominant because there's still so many courts that are, are... uh, maneuvering around that issue, whether they're they're blocking state bans or, or upholding them in some cases. Um, <clears throat> it, it's still very much a hot button issue, and I, th- I think that's going to be a big one. But I, I think another one, honestly, is, is just going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of patriotic discussion around America's place in the world and, and what kind of nation and figure the United States cuts in the international scene. Um, for better or for worse, I do think those are going to be themes that come up. Absolutely. Joita, I'll give you the last word on this topic. It's hard to say what the issues will be uh, in two years' time. But yes, I agree with Michelle. I think the, the economy is likely to be a big one, especially if things uh, continue continue along the same trajectory. Uh, you mentioned abortion, so I won't uh, reprise that argument. But also uh, just what Canada's, uh, pardon me, what the United States' role on the international stage would be, especially if the war in Ukraine continues as it has. But really, it's hard to get into any sort of specifics uh, about what the election issues might be outside of um, the economy and inflation. I hesitate to make any other predictions at the moment because a lot can and does change in two years as we've all lived it, so we know it. Uh, Of course, this might just be a bit of cautious optimism. I'm, I'm hoping that we can genuinely put the pandemic behind us in the next two years. But if that doesn't happen, I suspect COVID-19 will continue to rattle around as something of an ongoing issue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So why don't we end the conversation there? So coming up next, we consider the conversation around mass mandates and recommendations. This is the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. 
AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.